Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turn Into Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Good. What would happen once if we just like went completely cold on air? <laughs> what do you mean by that? I just like called you up and I'm like, it's just like you pick up the phone and I just start doing the intro. Like, don't even say oh. hello. We don't have any talking. It'd be like, it would be very, very weird. We get on the air and we'd be completely, you know, like we might accidentally shit talk on air. <laughs> I think it would be kind of funny though. I think like uh, we should try that once just to see how it goes. See how it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rolling hot. You know? Yeah. And sometimes when I call people for the podcast, uh, like the other the other podcast, um, they think it's like live right away. Like I'm calling, I'm just like going to roll in hot on them. I guess that's what happens yeah. when you call like radio shows sometimes maybe. Yeah, probably, yeah. But it's it's still like, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that to you. Do not worry. Do not worry. Uh, <laughs> Chris, thank you so much again for this week, buddy. We, we, we had uh, a great birthday celebration, you and I. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was like obviously it was a a pretty special birthday in your you know, in, of of your birthdays. This was a pretty good one, I would assume. Yeah, I'm I've had two really good ones the last two years. We've been really kind of like I'm not a birthday person. Uh mm. I would say there's that one party you were there Chris where it was uh, <clears throat> a long time ago at the Korean barbecue restaurant. That's right. <laughs> yes, That's, I was there. There was that birthday. That I look back wow. very fondly on. Uh, some birthdays as a as a child I look very fondly on. But like I'm not really a birthday person. But last two years have been fucking incredible. This year, of course, you and me got the opportunity to do a brief, incredibly awkward podcast <laughs> with Tur- with Dinosaur Jr. live on stage. Yeah. Uh, and then we got the to hang out the rest of the night. Unfortunately, Chris, the donuts weren't vegan, even though you did bring your own vegan donuts, which I thought was uh, a, a amazingly cool coincidence. Well, I brought them for you in, in the off chance you would, you would want to partake given your birthday, but yes. Oh, well, I appreciate um, that, Chris. Thank you. And I yeah, think, no I think I was too nervous to eat before that podcast. No, fearing I, it would I, be as awkward as it turned out. <laughs> I don't think it was as awkward at all. I think it was good. I think it was very good, but it, it was um, fun. Yeah, it was fun. I'm, I'm just joking, but uh, like, uh, we, we had a incredible time. I will really got to say thank you so much to Leslie who got me a mountain of donuts yeah. at, as a birthday cake. Uh, and thank you to, of course, Dino Jr. for, for doing that and humoring me and giving me the chance to do that. And then we got to see our friends, Doc Dunn or my friend, Doc Dunn and uh, Steve Cato and all these kind of friends that I hadn't seen in a while. And they were fantastic. And then Dino Jr., and Donald Jr. was incredible. Kevin Drew came up and sang some songs. I got to sing a couple songs. And, uh, yeah, it was a fun time for me. Yeah, How did, you, did you have a good time, too? I don't mean to put words into your mouth, Chris. No, no, yeah, no, I uh, I very much did. I, it was my first time seeing them. So my expectations were, like, I, I didn't know what to expect of what they were like in, in 2018. I didn't know how much. I realized I knew it was the original lineup or whatever and all that, but I didn't know what kind of set list they were going to play if they were going to do the the like any material from the lineup without you know from the era without that lineup and if and they of course they did yep but uh 
Yeah, it was. I don't know. It was really good. I thought they were like you know, and I I won't blow smoke if I didn't you know wasn't terribly moved, but I thought they were great. I think like he's he's uh, like I've seen live footage before, and I've seen uh, Jay play in like other things just randomly. Like I, I saw him even play in the band on uh, I think it was Seth Meyers. Yeah, Seth Meyers. Like, I think he was on a something. couple times. Yeah, but anyway, he's one of those guys where his sort of presence, at least like when you video him or whatever, it's like very unassuming. It's very, you know, it doesn't seem like, uh, trying to think of the word here. Like it doesn't seem like a massive presence, but like when they play, it is like he was, when he would like start to do those solos, it was like, it was pretty, uh, immersive watching it. So, uh, yeah, I I was impressed and I didn't, I never really, I don't think I'd ever seen footage even of this lineup even in the old days or anything. So I was I was like very excited to see Lou, what he'd be like. And your brother was kind of like endlessly talking about how great it was. And I agree, it was great. Um, yeah, so yeah Lou, cool. Lou's like a study in contrast to Jay in stage presence, I find. Yeah, yeah. In this totally. band. It's like kind of, and Murph's like kind of in the, the between the two, I guess. And But as a drummer, you're kind of limited, I guess, how much kind of moving around you can do. Yeah, for sure. I, I think though the funny thing is like again as someone who's more studied on Lou's stuff apart from Dino I was just I'm thought well yeah what's it just going to be like to watch him just kind of do the bass thing like just that and in this group like in now given that he's like an accomplished guy outside of it um but yeah no it was cool and and they did swap instruments as he explained in the interview but I don't, I don't want to give too much away for the listeners in, in future weeks yeah, we got to figure um, out what to do with that because it's not really long enough to put out as a whole episode. Maybe I'll double it up with that uh, live from the House of Vans I did with Fletcher and Craig Satari. Yeah, dude, it'll be something like that. It'll be good. That's a that, like you know I know people hate the live episodes, but <laughs> motherfuckers, if you do not download a episode with that lineup, I don't know what this podcast can do for you. Even if it's live, <laughs> I promise you, there's enough good material between all that. To, to warrant the download i don't think like i don't know like you you obviously look at the numbers but i don't i i sort of push back on the idea that people hate the live episodes i don't believe that the it's numbers like, that bear out differently and i don't get all the numbers but i do see some numbers um i don't know like yeah there's some podcasts that get all the numbers and they're like telling me like down to like the the, the minutiae and i'm like where are you seeing that shit i have no idea where to see that stuff uh anyway but um at the same time, like I do see kind of like, you know, just trends and how popular it is on different places that do have it. And yeah, d- certainly the live ones do a little bit less downloads than the, or, or it takes a little bit longer for people to download them maybe than the, the regular episodes, which I get because I'm the same fucking way. When Colt Cabana puts up a live episode, I'm resistant to downloading it. And Colt Cabana has the same kind of plea to the people that listen to the podcast like myself. You know, like, <laughs> just download the live ones. They're just as good. I, w- I get what you're saying because you're weighing it on sort of a metric of, of yeah. I, I do believe that the broad, you know, listener, so to speak, the general listener, if you will, you know, probably is a little less uh, enthusiastic because the, the interview style shifts dramatically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's, the, and that's the thing, right? Like, and I understand that's why people don't like live podcasts because it's like, it, it has the dynamics change, right? Like no one's going to be the same in the same level of candor in a live scenario. But I think like that's the thing about the live episodes is 
And once again, I should bear this in mind myself, but like, I think you just got to look at him more as being like, kind of like a, a clip episode of a TV series that you like, or, um, and that's such an outdated <laughs> comparison, I guess, for a lot <laughs> yeah. of people, but like, you know, like it's, it, 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 it's more like a party than it is a, uh, a study. I agree. I, I think though, speaking exclusively to the footnotes audience right now, um, I think these kind of episodes, like the live ones referring, are there's there's always something pretty uh, pivotal in terms of like footnotes content. So if you take all of the, I mean, I haven't heard obviously that Satari and uh, oh, believe me, buddy, there's going to be a one. feeding fucking frenzy. Exactly, some of the stories face. that Fletcher gives in like uh, in like a 15 minute span had my like eyes rolling in the back of my head in yeah. in orgasmic delight. So given the the people you're interviewing, I would imagine so. But I just in general, if I were to take all of them, including the ones like obviously I went on live, which was only I think I've been on all of them what, what two or three now or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Um so like judging like the experience aside, you know, the actual content, like there's always something in there that's like I learn or I'm, you know, into that I think is worthwhile, including, you know, this dino one short, but there's some, there were some nuggets in there that I thought were very good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. yeah. So anyway. And I think getting to like the, uh, you know, like the, the, the thing about like the live episodes is like, it's just, I don't know if the conversation gets going, my favorite live episode ever is live in Kingston. It's a good one because it's just conversational. Yeah, and it was so conversational, and it's like, and yeah. it's like really realistically, uh, with the exception of like you know yourself and Chris and myself, and I guess me and everyone else kind of on the panel, uh, like people like not necessarily people that would always be in a conversation with each other. But, yeah, yeah, and, but it was like a really I don't know I had a, I, that's one of my favorite episodes of this podcast. So if you want to go back and listen to one of one of these episodes, it's like a low key sleeper fun conversation. The one live from the Kingston Film Festival. Yeah, I agree. I, I well, that just the that whole um, whatever excursion was fun. So yeah, yeah, what a fun road trip that day was. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then I flew to Vancouver to make a, <laughs> a wrestling TV show where I wound up having the one of the greatest. The last year's birthday was pretty fucking great too. That was when I saw a man be castrated. <laughs> Yeah, in the ring, and it was amazing. It was a spectacular moment, and yeah. So, God, I can't wait for that fucking show to come out. Uh, anyway, Chris, let's move on. Let's talk about. Uh, you went to another show this week, right? I did. I just recently saw uh, sort of our mutual friends would be, I guess, the the easiest way of saying it, but certainly your direct friends. Uh, well, what, the, the reason, uh, the, one of the guitar players in my band was not playing with me this weekend in Victoria. Oh yeah. Sorry. I was like, what are you talking about? But yeah. <laughs> yeah so I went we played to as a five piece. It was weird. We didn't prepare for it. So there's just be points where, you know, I just stopped singing expecting, you know, vocals and there'd be just nothing. Like, oh <laughs> shit. Yeah. But, uh, the, 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 the show of which I'm referring is is No Warning, which of course his listeners would probably gather by now. But uh, yeah, so I went and saw them last night. It was good. They are uh, they're still at it, and yeah, it was. Uh, oh yeah, that's there was an anecdote I wanted to bring up. You're queuing me up nicely here. Um, 
one of the opening groups was a group called I think it's Higher Power. Yeah, from England, right? Leeds, yeah. I believe. So they're they're an English group, or, or I, I'm assuming English group by the sound. And uh, no, I think they are. They're they're from Leeds. Yeah. So they, um, you know, I don't, you know, nothing nothing here or there about the band apart from um, like they're a decent. But the uh, the singer was wearing a uh, self titled uh, album cover. I want to say it was long sleeve even, which is so much even better, but of the uh, self-titled Pennywise album, like the, the, the blue with the PW. Yeah. And, the, and I, as soon as I saw him, he also had dyed red hair. Um, and as soon as I saw him, I was just like, that reminds me, not the way he looked per se, but the shirt. I was like, that reminds me of Damien. <laughs> like that, the, the Pennywise self-titled shout out. I just thought it was such a crazy... I mean, it's not peculiar at all, but in 2018 to just see that, I just thought, wow, that's kind of a neat little nod that I had not anticipated. And it reminded me of our epic discussions about Epifat on here frequently. Dude, Brobium's one of the greatest records ever. It reminded me of that exact statement, yeah, as well. Like, I mean, like, (laughs) when I say records, I mean songs, but uh, (laughs) I... uh, You mean in hip-hop parlance, yeah. In hip-hop parlance, yeah, exactly. I think, like... Yeah, like, you know, I really do want fucked up on this tour our our entrance music to be homies and our exit music to be bro him. <laughs> oh, please make it happen. Yeah. Cuz that to me is like I don't know. Fuck, I'd love to do a split covering both those songs. Well, hey, the world I would not want to cover homies. Like Juggalo homies by the way. Sorry, I keep fucking that up. Juggalo homies, not to be confused with homies, which is a completely different song. And I was thinking of Juggalo homies the whole time, which is like the poser song to like uh, by that band. Okay. (laughs) It's funny when like bands that are like, you know, considered terrible by a lot of people have songs that are like considered the poser songs. And that's ultimately some of my favorite songs by these bands. So maybe I'm <laughs> a poser for these types of music. But like, you know, that Grateful Dead song, I Will Get By or whatever. Yeah. That's like the poser song for the Grateful Dead, right? Yeah, I know I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, everybody has one. Or like yeah. the groups of that, of a certain notoriety tend to. The question I would have. Bro, him would be that for Pennywise. Sorry, sadly, I didn't mean yeah. No, it totally would. That's perfectly stated. That was a good callback. No, you did well. Um, but I'm going to pitch this to you then right off the top. Then what's the fucked up poser song? Well, I think you you'd have to say uh um other shoe probably. I don't know, man. I would say like old school, it'd be police. Police definitely old school, but and like new yeah. school, I'm gonna say David, like uh David off of uh the third sec third maybe the first LP even It's so on the first LP. David comes um, to life, yeah. That that is over ten years old now, so I don't know how new that True. is. I'm sure there's uh, one. Like, there's, it, it, I, yeah, I think the modern there. era, it's definitely probably, you know, and the other shoe. But I think that's just because that was the song that, you know, it's like the song that gets the biggest by your band. It becomes your poser song because that's yeah. – but like, you know, as as speaking as someone who's in a band now that I guess would have a poser song, uh, you know what? I love everyone that likes my band. And like there's really <laughs> – once you're in the band, it's like – you don't really have the same sort of like possessive ownership of it. I've, you know, in the way where you're like, no, this is mine. I believe in it so much, you know? I, no, I agree. I think you've, you've actually articulated it perfectly. Like 
the idea of, and again, when we're saying this, we're not, we're not saying, or at least I'm not, and I believe obviously you're not, Dane, saying that people who like these songs are like therefore less than because of. That's no, not what no. The point I'm, is. Hey, I'm it's, saying I like, I like all the poser songs by bands. Yes. So, it, but it, but it is a funny metric. It's a funny way of saying that metric where it's like the one, you know, because now hit songs are are a very like uh, almost obsolete term. Mm-hmm. Because the way a hit song is determined now is just so completely different. So, but if you were to weigh, you know, these songs on the band's terms, yeah, which ones stand out as their like, you know, their their singles or their quote unquote poster song? Uh, and yeah, so it's I don't know. I just always think of that. Like now that you've mentioned that, I'm thinking of like what for each band would certain things be? But yeah, it's uh, maybe we'll come up with that list too. Damn, that's a good list. That's a, like that's a that's yeah. a callback to old style where we'd make a new list yeah. almost every show. I like that topic though, actually. And while we're at it, uh, turn out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. If listeners want to write in with their um, uh, suggestions for this, please feel free because I'd love to hear some uh, that we're not thinking of at this very tired late hour. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, pipe in with some, some good suggestions on that topic if you want. We're going to be doing a mailbag episode very soon. We've had ne- negotiations are in place to get the two Daves back on the show. Um, they stalled out, but we're going to make it happen. Nice. Um, and then we will have the three of us going through, or the four of us going through the mailbag, the four of us getting to the core of us too much attention unavoidably destroyed us Four kids <laughs> up to 3000 miles. We had, okay. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, re- with regards to the show, the only anecdote I have to mention is that shirt and that it reminded me of you in, uh, <laughs> In 2018, I love it. I love it. I would definitely rock that shirt. Um, it's cool. It still looks cool. Like that cover is a good cover. I'll tell. I might be going to the show this week, so I'll, I will. If I see him and he's wearing that shirt, I will have to give a tip of a hat and say we we've already discussed his fashion choice on the podcast. Yeah, even if he's not, just say yo. I heard you had a whatever. Shirt yeah, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now turn out punk footnotes is a fashion blog. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um. Uh, let's get into what will probably be a monstrous conversation about a monstrous episode because we've got a incredible episode to talk about today with Cedric from Mars Volta at the drive-in a Foss. It's amazing how Foss in the, like the last two months, you know, I wouldn't say is more well-known than those other two bands, but certainly – has gotten to almost a mainstream level of conversation that maybe those other bands never achieved because of who his bandmate was in that band with Beto O'Rourke. But uh, he's still like Cedric is the, I said on the episode, one of the greatest front people of all time and someone that, you know, I just have watched in awe many a time uh, from in the audience and stuff. So to get to do this with him and punish him about, random ass pop punk labels was fucking awesome yeah i thought like i think well as i frequently say i think when we begin these like i think the interview is very good and i think uh i like interviews like this where i have a certain expectation of a guest and it's it's certainly not it's not shattered but it's definitely uh you know a lot more whatever deep than mm-hmm. i anticipate it being not not that i like underestimate your guests it just it's uh I don't know the way I don't know. We'll we'll get into it, but the way he spoke about a lot of things, I was really impressed with, and I just thought he uh, 
you and him hit it off in the sense of like really characterizing things very, very well in that conversation. I think as far as that era that you're discussing. Yeah. Like he showed up and he was just like, you know, it's great. Like when, when I get someone on the podcast, who's just, who's not like, I don't remember man, but it was just like game mm-hmm. for it and wants to like talk about it. And especially someone that, you know, like obviously, you know, he's gone on to achieve, you know, success on artistic and commercial levels that very, very few punk bands have ever achieved, you know, but the fact that he still sees the value and the importance of these, these undocumented type like bands that he was in before. And I mean, undocumented in the sense that they don't have vinyl output, they have tapes, but like yeah. underdocumented bands that he was playing in before, you know, just shows like, how what a perfect fit of a guest he was for this podcast yeah totally i guess that's actually you just nailed it right there really is that i didn't expect him to be that kind of guest i thought it would be good and i thought you know he obviously has a lot to talk about he's he's been like doing music a long time and obviously he can't like you know they're like the what little i know of the history of that group and and sort of where they come from i thought it would be a good you know he'd have something to say but I didn't expect him to be as, yeah, as enthusiastic about what I would not, you know, like like you're saying, all these sort of like cassette bands or like these origin bands of his. I, I, that that's something I didn't expect. Well, it's also like, you know, and we've talked about this on this podcast many a time, and it, it's going to be a consistent theme, I think, that will continue to come up, on, uh, sadly. But like, you know, punk is definitely uh, a genre where certain scenes are much better documented than others were. And, you know, Texas, there's a lot of great documentation of certain bands and certain scenes, but like El Paso, El Paso, like, I don't like, you know, short of the rhythm pigs and at the drive-in, you know, like what other bands were really well known from that, that city. Like, and if I, if I'm forgetting someone, Chris, please like, excuse me on that. But I mean, is, there, like, is the other saying, Jerry's kids from there? No, I don't think so. Let me check that I'm out. I'm not sure. Like that's the only groups I was like like aware of vaguely were the ones you mentioned, and I even I can't. I'm trying to think now of of groups, and I I don't know. But uh, yeah, I've only myself. I've only visited. Not that this has any bearing on anything necessarily, but I've only ever visited, I believe, once as well. So I, I never really got a feel for the the city either. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like personally. Like like you have like, you know, and you you will understand obviously, like you're you're you've toured many a year. But like you, you get these weird like little connections with certain places depending on you know, especially when you've been there a lot. And that's one where I've never perhaps because I've I think I've only ever been once, maybe twice, but certainly once for sure. And I don't have any like I never got a feel for what was going on there even in the brief time I was there. So yeah. I don't yeah. have any, it's just like a blank slate to me, which is kind of neat to hear this episode when he's talking about the history of that, of that city is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. There are like so few kind of, um, records that, you know, I know about or had heard before. So yeah, to like get the history of stuff and kind of hear like about this, like legitimately fascinating scene of bands that were like, you know, rob robbing each other, battling each yeah. other and stuff like, you know, what a, what an incredible story. Yeah, that was <laughs> all that stuff. I certainly didn't expect that. That was, uh, that was a twist that I didn't <laughs> anticipate. And, uh, when I think of 
like the relative history of, of like like what goes on in your city uh, or has gone on in your city, whatever, in the last 20 years. You know, I, there's been some hairy things here and there, but I don't think of that kind of stuff. No. <laughs> Not to that level anyway. No, I don't like – yeah, no, I can't think of a band that, that behaved like that. Uh, maybe maybe some bands from Hamilton. Yeah, to a degree, but I, mean, degree. I, I still think that idea of like, you know, him him vaguely saying like gangs, I think kind of puts it in a whole other yeah, true, court, right? Like, Very true. Like that to me here, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking a little too naively, but I don't think I am. Like that's never really for me, no, really been a thing here. Like amongst the music scene, anyway. Yeah, Toronto as well. Like not not in any sort of very kind of real way in the, in the way that is in some cities in the States and stuff you hear about. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, made for a fascinating start to an incredible journey through music that he had. Like, um, I knew it was going to go places this podcast and it definitely went to a lot of the places, you know, I was hoping it would go, but like when it started that way and I knew it was going to kind of go there because he'd been posting these pictures on Instagram lately, of of him with his old band and Chris, if they're not like the most badass vibed looking band I've ever seen, like it is like incredible. Like they all have like these ridiculously huge devil locks and like there's shots of graffiti. <laughs> there's that crazy car he's talking about. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's like, I, I really hope he document that LP comes out or there's some way to kind of have that, you know, put out into the world <laughs> it's it is like hearing the story it's i don't know it just i was very amused listening to the episode because it just made me think of like it's such a bygone era you know what i mean like it it shouldn't be really but it is very much like what he's discussing yeah like i think i, I just yeah like it's the idea that there's a band out there that's like influenced by the sperm birds that's not from <laughs> germany <laughs> is fucking mind blowing. Like, like uh, they're a huge band, and they definitely had an impact. You know, let's call up their discogs right now. Are you are you familiar with the Sperm Birds, Chris? I know the name, but I've never gotten into them. No. All right, they are one of the longest running, I believe, German hardcore bands. Certainly, they did have a really lengthy run, but and also one of the, certainly one of the more popular bands internationally that came out of Germany from for hardcore. Uh, but like, once again, not that popular, not a popular enough that there'd be a band that I would think would be influenced by them. Uh, but yeah, they formed in 83 and broke up in 87 and then got back together in 89 and then split up again in 96 and then reformed in 99. And so the 89, sorry, the first time they split reformed and then, uh, 99, they reformed again permanently, but yeah, they've had records, you know, the first record, something to prove, uh, I used to have it. I don't have it anymore, but it's 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 a pretty good record. Oh, maybe some of the lyrics. I'm looking at the lyrics now. I don't know. I don't know if I should stand by the lyrics. I got to re-listen the record. And it's got the Cerebus. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. That It's so fucking awesome. It's got the Cerebus on the cover. That is a crazy – talk about a bygone era there. Like, wow. Just that whole aesthetic of that record is wild. Looking at it now. The self-titled we're talking about there. Something to prove for listeners. Um yeah, it's. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I would say, probably about 99 percent of the reason why I never checked this band out was because of their name. <laughs> yeah, like, like I just was like, ah, this just probably seems like something that 
like I'm not going to be too jazzed on. But I can see now, I'm like, oh, just discography. I can see that first record's got a, kind of a good vibe. It's, it's, it, it stands up to him. Listen to it now in the background. It's pretty, pretty raging. I don't think I own it still, but I it's not a wee bite. So I'd be like, okay, I'll check it out. Like that's a, you know, there's some things, some things on wee bite. Yep. No, definitely. It's a, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a band that like, you know, had an impact, but to find out that, you know, they had that impact as far, uh, as El Paso was, was surprising. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. I'm sure it'd be a surprise to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from the sounds of it, it was when he finally got a chance to meet the dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, do you want to dive into the episode now? We've been kind of picking points already, but do you want to? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Formally picking points. Yeah. So I know we're, this is at least the point I want to get off the top. It it's diverges a bit from what we were just speaking of. We could have put something seamlessly to to sort of get more a bit thematic, but. Uh, I, my favorite part of the episode was uh, the story about the Omar and Sonny going to the motor, uh, mortem meeting and <laughs> Lux and Ivy like basically sticking up for the idea that majors weren't all bad and this, that, and the other. Um, but the two, like, and then the cramps coming up again in contrast to the Misfits, uh, or should not even contrast, but in... Uh, whatever you want to say, in unison with the Misfits, I guess, let's say, thematically. Um, but that idea that I don't, I've never thought that much about weighing the Cramps shtick with or up against the Misfits shtick. I don't know why. It's never, ever occurred to me to really weigh that. And when this, when you broached that subject, I thought, wow, yeah, like when you think about it in those terms, like the Cramps are the realists. Like it really, it becomes very, very crystal clear. Not to say again, no shade to the misfits like on that front either, but just it's again, it's one of those things where, you know, that band, I think what I'm trying to say is that band for me has aged like so well, the cramps. I think so the, the well. cramps, like I know they already are, you know, they they were already iconic. People know the logo that, you know, the, the aesthetic, you know, that, that kind of like how they look even. And just like, but that group, I think, were so, I mean, it's a very, like, redundant statement, but they were so incredibly ahead of their time that I, it's, just, it's just forever going to be, I like, now they were repping in a sort of major way that went unsort of detected for a long, long time is, is sort of back full, full bore now, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they're, like probably the most unfuckable with band like image wise, like aesthetic wise, like man, they form like 76, right? So they're there at the very beginning that first seven inch in 78, like they painted it, hand painted it to glow in the dark. Like, and it looks like, like that is still like one of the most frightening looking cover. Like, I think the thing about the misfits was like, you know, it's like a bunch of tough guys, you know, tough, legitimately tough guys. I'm not being like, you know, derogatory when I say that. And like a dude with a science fiction fetish, but like the cramps were like legit weirdos. <laughs> yes. Again, I don't, I don't think like, I, I know what you're getting at. I just want to, again, stress and everybody who listens to the show genuinely knows sort of my position anyway, but I'm not trying to say that, you know, well, again, like I'm not trying to throw it in the face of like 
how much sicker the cramps are. Like I, I like both bands just fine, but I just find like my appreciation for the cramps isn't, I guess what I'm trying to explore here publicly is I'm sort of ashamed that my appreciation for this group wasn't even as great as it should be. And like, I should be have an even greater appreciation, like after like thinking about them more and more and more, I think what this group similar to the misfits for me, I knew a lot of people that liked those groups. Of course, that goes without saying with the Misfits for sure. I'm sure a lot of people with the Cramps too, but I just took them for granted. So, like, I knew people that were really, really big fans of like the Cramps, and I just, I, you know, like that a date with Elvis album cover like burned into my head because mm-hmm. I worked at a record store that had a huge poster of it, mm-hmm. and even the uh, I'm looking up the discog now, even the Stay Sick and the Big Beat. Um, record all those covers there was these huge posters in the store I worked at and so I just like you know I, I've heard their things here and there like the early stuff especially but I never you know I thought that's cool but and so now more and more and more I'm listening I'm like man like everything they were we've even discussed a long time ago on the show the uh, the songs the cramps taught us as I think being like super ground level to the kill by death thing oh absolutely 100% it's, yeah you know, and so there's just so many elements of this group that I think are important, and I never even thought of the idea of them. Like, obviously, you know how they look. It's it's got there's a shtick to it, but not thinking of putting them in the same ballpark as like the Misfits. But when you when you do, you're like, wow, even that they like they kill it on. Like, mm-hmm. they, it's not uh, anyway. I don't know. I just Chris, want. I need you to. Them. I need you to click on the copies of Human Fly that are for sale right now. <laughs> Human Fly, 1978, first cramp single, Vengeance Records, Damien, what would you like me to The Glow in the Dark one. <clears throat> yep. The original, original. Click on the copies that are for sale. Oh, okay. Right. Yep. For, and read the description of the first one. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, pretty fucked up. So let's just say there's a description. We can read the description. You know, like okay, well. excellent glow in the dark copy. Sleeve has green tape around, apparently from a DJ who marked all his stuff like this. May come off. I haven't tried. Now, anyone who collects records knows, of course, Chris. What? Well, that that is a there's a whole issue dedicated to it as well in recent years that I read in their offices, ironically enough. And I asked. That was the first question I asked when I went in there. Uh, but it's an MRR. Uh, whatever staple like a signature it was actually a tim yo i guess signatures it was tim yo's way of of you know identifying his records he would wrap them in the green tape slit them at one side always the same side there'd be a slit and that's where he'd pull the records out now he did sell some pieces of from that collection before his death like just to clear space and Mm. stuff i fucking highly doubt human fly was one of the things he would sell. From what I heard, it was like just crap. I've definitely bought records at Amoeba over the years that were like dollar bin records that had the green tape wrapped around them. And I just bought them because, oh my God, this is from that collection. But yeah, I do not know how this found its way on the open market. If it is indeed yeah. one of the infamous Max Rock and Roll records. Yeah, the, to, there's a few things that come to mind right now. Without blowing up this person's spot, I mean, but anybody can can look at the resource and find it. But yeah, anyway, um, you know, it's not in it's not in the country of origin. Nope. So there's there's that. 
but two, not to say that that isn't, I just mean like look where it got. So that's an interesting whole yeah. thing. But uh, I have never heard, and this is a question certainly for you, Dame, of a group intentionally as a rare version of their record green taping it in, in homage to Tim Yo. Dude. It just just, just occurred to me now. I don't know if anyone's ever done that. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen that. That would be an amazing uh, limited record to do. Yeah. In the and old I, style. I just, I just killed probably the, like one of the coolest untapped ideas, but you can all have it, everybody. Enjoy. Yeah. There's going to be but, so uh, many green tape records there. <laughs> yeah, but I just thought of that now. The other thing that we sort of didn't touch on, which I'm sure you're aware of it too, but even when I was reading it, because when, when you go to their offices um, – the way their collection is, I mean, it's it's so like you see it and you're just like, wow, this looks insane. And then the first question I had was that perhaps as a naive, you know, I didn't know that. And I, maybe I should have when I went. But And then uh, they weirdly enough ran an article about it the month that I had visited. This was going back like 2012. And, um, but part of it as well was to de- quote unquote devalue it immediately. So the idea being that like punk for real means there's no value to this. So I'm going to like deface it. So therefore, you know, you would just enjoy it for what it is rather than like this sort of collectible value, which of course, you know, we all know is like such a, <sighs> yes, the po- that point makes sense, but at the same time, everything's going to be collectible. You know I mean, yeah. you have this right now, like I just said, someone's going to make this collectible and or someone already has. So Anyway, just a, just food for thought. That's all. No, absolutely, and I think like the, the the issue is like there is no way to um it, like there is no way to kind of like prevent something from becoming a collectible. No matter what you do, if if there's a market there, it will become a collectible. Yeah, I think it's an earnest effort, and it's a, it is a good point. There are some things, certainly, that that, that gentleman, uh, you know, that he did that are that will stand the test of time, and this green tape thing is certainly one of those things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amongst, obviously, <laughs> maximum rock and roll. Yeah, he started a zine uh, that people care about a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I just mean, like, <laughs> like the, the, you know, the, these weird other cultural hallmarks that people don't think about, or, or perhaps they do. Anyway. Yeah, no, he, he is, without a doubt, one of the most... Um, I don't know, like like important figures ever in the history of punk rock. Yeah, I don't think that's. I think that's a completely fair statement. As much as he was a divisive, divisive figure at times, apparently. Yeah, but like just like the amount of times he comes. I know about that. Well, he came up in this week's episode. Yeah, no, for sure. Did he? I don't remember when did he come up in this week's. When he talks about uh, Cedric talks about being Jello does. No, and 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 Cedric talks about being given the Bible. Of Max and Rock and Roll's book, your own fucking life. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant by name. No, yeah, not by yeah, name, but like, saying. I mean, like his his yeah. his footprint is on this week's episode. Yes, yes. And well, then in that case, it's on. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But but yeah, it's uh, that is aside. This is a good tangent, but that is really funny that you ended up finding that <laughs> listing. It, on, yeah. Uh, that cramps record. Very weird. Also, and have you read Incredibly Strange Music Volume One? I have not. It's an incredible book put out by Research, um, which was Search and Destroy yeah. after Search and Destroy, uh, and it is 
an amazing, amazing kind of like tome about record collecting and, and records in general and just weird music and outsider music. And there's an unbelievable interview with Lux and Ivy in that one that is just like, yeah, it's in, in, it makes them like untouchably cool when you're reading it. It's like they're like talking about how they have like, I think it's like, I don't want to get the number wrong, 50 versions of the song Peter Gunn. Like just different forty huh. fives with it on it. Well, I remember maybe I've read a re like a re whatever a re like an azine took that and reprinted it or whatever because I've definitely read something that had, but again they could have just been interviewed elsewhere with the same kind of topics. But um, yeah, I had heard that too. Like just the the savage level of stuff they they had collected over the years. But this is going back when they were getting like they were grabbing garage records when you know the value was like very little. And mm-hmm. like they had been collecting them since like the whatever, probably early seventies. And uh yeah, I'd heard similar things, but that's cool. I gotta check that out. Yeah, like they're a band that, you know, I'm I'm not an expert on at all, but they're certainly uh a band that, you know, is so I don't know, so cool. And just like I'm just like yeah. just Googling right now, it's like there's like blogs of just their favorite songs and it's just yeah, awesome. Awesome yeah. they were gonna read. Uh, and also you can on, there's an excerpt from the interview up on the research site, which is researchpubs.com. Nice. Um, but it's got, yeah, some like, it's got a little excerpt from that interview. So worth reading if you want to. All right, buddy. Shall we get into, uh, more points? Is it your turn? Or yeah, my man. Turn? No, that was mine. Cram- I went to the cramps, to the misfits and whatever. Okay. So you're up. Uh, all right. So I guess for my first point, uh, I want to talk about punk on TV, which I think we've broached before, (laughs) but I mean, specifically explosive moments of punk on TV where like punk, you know, was like thrust into people's living rooms in a way that, you know, they might not have expected or necessarily even wanted, but you know, like he, he talks about watching another state of mind with his parents but you know and i but i also think at, at the drive-in like you know smashing up their gear and going nuts on tv like for people watching at home that must have been like what the fuck is going on here well yeah it's funny that you were talking about that because there was two uh well there's probably more than two that i can think of but there's definitely two that really stood out that i remember and one is of, of another group that was mentioned in this interview although i cannot remember what the late night program was but anyway the at the drive and one that you speak of i don't know what the source is but i remember that in the early 2000s and then the other one was and you know it's by the trail of the dead when they yeah, played on the farm uh, i can't remember what show that it was, was on the show like, that farm mtv's like weird yeah that's it yeah weird alternative some, show like, they had for a minute exactly and it was those two i remember being really um <clears throat> what do you say like uh you know like they were that was they weren't enormous but they were like big whatever hallmark moments for that era i re- i recall vividly yeah and this is like there's no way to bring this up that doesn't sound self-absorbed but mm. uh at there i i've got i'm working at this new place now and one of the guys i work with used to work <laughs> at MTV Canada yeah i know where you're going with this uh and so he's always <laughs> you know, kind of like, you know, now playfully ribbing me, but like, you know, I think they were legitimately pissed off back then uh, about all the damage that gun 
got done during our performance there. And so we're talking about it <laughs> yeah. today. And then another person we work with goes, oh, my God, I can remember that on TV and my mom freaking out, being like, why would they let this on TV? Why would they let this on TV? Which made me feel so fucking old, Chris. Because, like, if someone I'm working with now was still watching TV with their parents in the afternoon while I was doing that, it means I'm fucking old, dude. That was a genuine thing I missed, 100%. That I that I wish you know if, if the world had turned out differently that I could have been a part of. You want to know the the one of the lower days in in the old fucked up career? What's that? Uh, the day we got the bill from that second MTV performance. <laughs> it was also the day that we found out that we were not going to be on the TV show Skins, which had previously said like they were thinking about putting us on the TV show. Wasn't a great day in old camp fucked up that day. (laughs) But having said that, right, it all, it all, it all works out or irons out, whatever you want to say. I'm a little tired. Apologies. Um, Because now that moment, which I believe, is it on you? It must be on YouTube. No, I think the, the bathroom's on YouTube now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's one of those classic kind of moments. Um, so yes, punk on TV. If we're on the topic, um, so the two we mentioned. I'm trying to think. There's other weird, like non-musical ones. Yeah, like Gigi Allen on Geraldo. The I think it's Donahue, New York Hardcore Donahue episode, yep. which is great. Yeah, the and Mags and Youth of the, the Day. Gigi, yeah, and the, the Gigi. Uh, oh, what is the Gigi ones on Geraldo? Oh, it is Geraldo. I thought it was Springer, but okay. I, remember I think Springer's El Duce. Okay. I remember the Gigi one being home, funny enough, being home sick from school and randomly catching that Gigi one, which arguably may have shifted the course of my whole life now that I think about it a little bit. <laughs> but uh, for better or worse. But uh, And, yeah, I didn't catch the New York Harker one at all live, but I've seen it now. And thank the, due to the greatness of the Internet, we can forever watch it. Uh, but the 2000s era one, the the one I remember too is, and you you'll remember the people more. But it's the dude from the Locust or whatever. It, but who's the other guy? Where they do Scott they do Bybin. The, okay, where they do the fake fight or oh, they Jerry fight Springer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So those are like if I'm talking the 2000s, it's like that. Those two musical ones you mentioned earlier, like Trail of Dead and uh, at the drive-in. And then I think, like, I can't remember. Oh, you're forgetting much. another amazing one uh, from the, like, late 90s, early 90s, I think it actually was filmed, when Ebro was on uh, Jerry Springer. That's right. I do. I had seen that as well. So, Elbow, can you sing? <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, so, like, that is still, I mean, we've talked about this on the show. It's so, so great. <laughs> Have we talked yeah, about that on the show? We have way way back. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, he's the he's the best. By he's the, way. the best. I gotta get. I want him on this podcast so fucking badly. Yeah, do it. He will not humor it. me at all. I don't think, but it will. No, will, I think you will. I have faith. I, I I would love to have him on. So that would be. You know, you got to think about people that have like drummers, like the utility drummers that have like been so clutch in in scenes, like people that could play in like all these different bands at once. Like obviously, Toronto. We've got Jonah who's played yeah. in many a band, but also Ivan too. Like there's a lot of yeah. 
a lot of cool utility drummers. Simone too. Uh, like there's a, there's a lot of great drummers in Toronto that do multiple bands. But but like you know then you got to think of like DFJ of course. Yeah. In, in Boston, and then Ebro in Chicago. Yeah, there's always usually one. Sam yeah. out west. Yeah, Sam out west. Yeah, definitely Sam out west. LA, LA specifically. LA I guess. specifically. Yeah, it's not like yeah. he's like he's not moving all the way up the coast. Awesome. Drummers, very important. But uh, drummers yeah, are key. He, drummers are key. You were mentioning something though. Oh, I was going to ask you. You haven't had anybody from Crudos, have you? No, I love. I would love to have someone from Crudos on. So that would be. I haven't had anyone be. from Charles Bronson on. Oh yeah, that, that is weird. I've talked to I've talked to some people and I and I dropped some balls that were in the air, but I will reach out again and get them going. <laughs> Either way, okay. Talking point though, your point about punk on TV. Do we want to talk about the cramps on the S on the nine two one zero? Nine two one zero cramps is definitely a, a pivotal one for me. I remember getting into a fight at a party with someone <laughs> the week before because I, I wanted to put flame job on at a party, and the person at the party's like. No one wants to hear some fucking band about female menstrual problems. And then like a fucking week later, they're on 90210. Boom. <laughs> I remember watching that live too and thinking, just being amused. I don't remember the performance being particularly great on the show. Although I think it's not actually live anyway. But it was uh, – he says something as the intro, doesn't he? Like when they – before they start. He's like, come on, Peach Pit, you want to get weird or something like that? Yeah, he's got some, some like, corn, oh, fuck, corn ball watch, wine. We should watch that clip. Yeah. But um, anyway, very cool nonetheless, and I'm just curious as to how that happened. Um, but anyway, yeah. I think that happened probably, like, there was probably someone on 902 who's a fucking cool-ass person with wicked tasted music. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I, I'm curious as to like sometimes I. They don't. They don't flaming lips on there too. Not that's the same thing at all, but you know. No, no, that's still. I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. And the flaming lips part was awesome. I think it's Steve Sanders walks over to I forget who, and he goes, "I don't normally like alternative music, but these guys rock." <laughs> Amazing. It's awesome. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Did they have any like cast commentary about the cramps or no? I can't remember. No, I don't think so. I wonder what that was like on set. Like was like Oh my god. Yeah. You gotta hope that there was like one cool cast member who's like, yo, the fucking cramps are here. Are you kidding me? I love that band. <laughs> if if there was, I'd be very impressed. I don't think it was Jason Priestley. No, I'm guessing no. Although aesthetically probably the closest. But well, or, oh, no, or, or uh, what's his name, Luke Perry? Yeah, there we go. That's I'm like, I almost called him Matt Dillon. I don't know what I'm doing, but um, he's like a poor man's Matt Dillon. <laughs> you know, Matt Dillon, by the way, legit punk rocker. I didn't know that. What's the what's the connection? There? He's got that. There's a photo of him in that in that matinee book. Really? Yeah, going to a CB's matinee, and like, huh. uh, and and. He also directed a Dasser Jr. video. I didn't know that either. Wow. Yeah. You're talking the matinee book, like the Drew Carolyn book or whatever? Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, there's a photo of him in there. Hmm. I got to check that out. I don't have it yet. I haven't even thumbed through it anywhere. I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, cool. So there you go. Matt, Matt Dillon, anytime you want on this show, buddy, there's, a, there's an open invitation. I know you're 
a big footnotes <laughs> listener. You're just waiting for that call. You don't want to reach out because you don't want to make it awkward. I understand, man. So here it is. I'm extending the invitation. <laughs> I texted Jay the other day to be like, yo, can you can you let Matt Dillon know that he can come on this podcast? There was no response, Chris. When you say Jay, because this is inside baseball slightly now, you you well, referring- I mentioned Dino Jr. before. I didn't okay. mean that okay. too, yeah, D- Jay from J- Dino um, the other day, and it was <laughs> no response. <laughs> I'm not surprised on that one. Also, once again, Chris, with you, I didn't yeah. smoke weed. Just hit me at that Dinosaur Junior show. <laughs> the power of straight edge was radiating off, radiating off you, I guess. Well, while I was with you, no. I don't know what happened later, but yes, that is Oh, true. I did do a dab backstage with someone. <laughs> that's, that's exactly my point. Shout out my man, Ed Fox. <laughs> but uh, what was the next point here? So are we done with the TV one? Are we going to move on to something else? Yeah, let's move on. Hey, also, if you have any cool TV moments... Local yeah, TV moments, sentiment. Because also, I don't know if you've ever watched that Foss playing on that weird Christian right wing show. No, um, but it's fucking awesome. You got to watch that performance. Yeah, the, uh, the I don't know anything about that Foss band. I never, I never heard them. So They're, it's like, what is it like? Like it says post punk punk, or sorry, post rock <coughs> punk. Like what? They're definitely heavily influenced by DC. Okay, gotcha. It does have that aesthetic. Like the record has that aesthetic. Yeah. And I think that's like the thing that comes across too. Like, I don't mean that in a, a negative, reductive kind of way too, but it's like, it certainly isn't as forward reaching as At the Drive In was or anything, but like, it's cool. And like, I think you'll be a fan of it. Like, they're a young band too at the time. Yeah, well, it came out in 93, which is wild. So I don't know what age he would have been, but he would have been yeah. young because he's talking about touring later on. Yeah, you know, being underage to go into the shows, the the 19 plus clubs. So they would have been fucking young in that band. Hmm. Yeah, the record looks cool, though. I've never seen this. So on the episode as well, since we're on this topic very quickly, um, I believe you brought up that Western Breed Records. Yeah. Which I believe, if I remember him saying, that was just sort of a moniker for things they were doing. It wasn't an official label. Is that the idea? I think so. Yeah, from the sounds of it. But they did. It looks kind of like a legit label when you look at the the Cogs page, at least in terms of releases they put out. Yeah, it, I I just like that idea though that as a collective, they if that was in fact the you know the vibe of it, that idea that they had enough foresight to just sort of like brand all of the stuff they were doing, and it's not all one band either, so it's carries on throughout their sort of lineage a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely. Uh, yeah, like, you know, right the way through to At The Drive, and that stuff's coming on there, too. I think, too, this comp, the comp on that label, the some three-word bands from Western Breed, uh, is that the one he's talking about trying to get over to the Juarez, like, scene that didn't fly or whatever? Is that the one he's referring to? Oh, maybe, but there's also on this... If you look at the Grizzly Adams family with the song "Who," maybe the band's called "Who Are You." I don't remember how the layout for this thing. Yeah, no, no, the band's called Grizzly Adams Family. Yeah. Click on guitar and vocals. Yeah, Brooks Harlan. Yeah. Look what other band he's in. Goes full uh, circle. War on women. 
Oh, uh, that's right. You were sorry. You last week's guest. That's last right. week's guest. How what crazy is that? You know, like it's. I I just think that's so neat that there's like once again all these connections within punk rock. Yeah, this is this is your bread and butter. Yeah, exactly. He also played in another band on here called Dynamic Ribbon Device. Uh, and and played in sandwiches. Sandwich is <laughs> and F Y H Y. So he's in every band. Basically. He's in every fucking band on this comp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's not in a pony named Sarah, according to the and not in at the driving. Yeah. So oh, there's two. These there's are. two. Two bands on this comp. <laughs> Yo, forget. Jonah, DFJ, any other utility player in music. <laughs> Brooks Harlan was the ultimate utility player for the El Paso scene. That may be, but I will not forget any of those people you just mentioned. No, I don't yeah. mean that legitimately. I love those people. I but know. I'm just saying, like, I can't think of a comp. Maybe DFJ. There's probably a comp out there that DFJ played drums on every single track. But Sweet Vision? Is he on every Yeah, I was going to say. But no, there's, there's a, there, what's that band from Quebec that's on that comp? There's a band from Quebec on the Sweet Vision comp? Yeah. All final words on it? No, no, no. Uh, fuck, now i got to find it. There it is. I don't Sweet know, Vision man. I think, you're, I think you're off base on this one. I don't remember there being a Canadian band on that. Uh, there was. Who was it? Going to the Cogs, too, on this one. Say no more. Okay, you're probably right. I yeah. don't know why that's never stuck out to me. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Why don't I remember this? I have no recollection of that band on this at all. Yeah, it's a cool ass. That's still a pretty cool comp. Oh, it is. It's great. But anyway, yeah. So, no, he's not on every track, but probably as many as, as the other guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. He's on RJ. He wouldn't be on probably Get Real. Mental. Either. Plays on probably the yeah. wrong side, right? Yeah. He played Jaguars, in, I don't know. Jaguars, I think he probably did play in Jaguars. Yeah, not Get Real, though, I don't think. And neither, well, I don't know what SOS, but say no more either. But either way, point point being. Oh, no, maybe he didn't play. No, maybe he didn't play in Jaguars. Yeah, I don't know. It was just a side. It was just a little side topic. Well, I'm just saying, Chris, we got Brooks wins. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Band fantasy drummer utility players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh next point. Next point. We let's go to here. Um I'm trying to grab one of the ones I really because there's a lot of like uh, I sort of wanted to because a band that comes up that I have never gotten into was this no empathy group you you guys bring up for whatever reason has never been one that I've gotten into either. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to pontificate about this a little bit, feel free for those who might want to be more informed like myself. Uh, they have a lot of records out too. Holy. Yeah, no, they had a lot of stuff. They were a very prolific band from Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly I don't have all their records, but I'm a fan of them. I have a bunch of those records. Uh, but they were around from like, the first wave like they they're like around in like 83 okay because the first lp says 88 but so i guess they're a band for a while yeah they didn't put out anything for a while but they're on that comp that i'm obsessed with that i want that what the fuck presents 
there's a fungus among us comp, which is yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but they, they definitely, you know, the Chicago kind of sound like eventually kind of went a little more poppy, uh, in what they were doing, I guess from the early, early stuff. Um, but like they're a band that kind of typifies that like Chicago kind of like, I you don't want to say pop punk cause that like means something else now, but like pop punk. Yeah. I get what you're saying. But like tough this, sounding uh, pop punk. This cover of that the Ben Weasel don't like it is is I've never seen this record before. That's a cool looking record. Yeah, it's a cool seven, and that's like a record that certainly until a couple years ago was pretty easy to find. Um, but now it's I think a little harder to track down, unfortunately, huh. as time goes on. But it's still not a money record though. You can get it on here. No, there and there are two. I believe there were two pressings of it, but in here it says there's only one. Yeah. But uh, there's a CD, you know. So if you're if you're a CD collector, you you can get it too. <laughs> I want to that. What a vibe that is! If someone becomes a CD EP like seven inch collector, and, I think there's probably one out there. Oh yeah. Anyway, I I just thought they needed to be brought up to a little more uh, of a, whatever a mention because it was came up a couple times in the interview. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else here. Uh, do you have something queued up that you want to go to? Uh, I kind of want to go, I guess now that we're on the topic of Chicago pop punk, I kind of want to go into that at the drive-in discography for a second. Sure, yeah. Um, because those labels they're on are fucking weird, you know? Like, it's it's definitely, you know, but like what label would have made sense? Yeah, Victory, like now I think it's... Victory at that time period, they could have, like, they would have been, like, poppier than most of the other bands but like you know like with what Snapcase was doing at the time and and you know like maybe they would have fit there no i i totally think they would have i think there's a lot of groups that you would like that that's the perfect one to mention like Snapcase or like even like voice it's fire or something yeah like it, it would have been in, in that sort of whatever uh sonic area but um yeah, it, it's weird that the, the LP is... Not that they sound like either of those bands. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But it, it's, you know, it's... it's but it's Sonic like bands that were kind of like trying different things with tempo and and, and volume yes. and like all sorts of like different approaches. Yeah, for sure. The um, But you're right. It is one... I think the most bizarre thing too now... Not the most bizarre, sorry. I, I phrased that wrong. The most interesting in hindsight is as we've sort of gushed about this before and even had a listener bring out a, a magazine copy to a, a sh- live performance, I think in D.C., I want to say. May- yeah, I think it was D.C. But anyway, the Grand Royal Connection. Oh, yeah. Which now, of course, like we've, we've sort of went through this, you know, uh, like on previous episodes. But um, like that's the one where when you think of like – the height of this group commercially anyway, as far as I know was when that record came out, like for that band, like, I don't know. They did a newer one recently. I don't know. You know, it's probably done just as well. And, but at that time, that was like the height of what that group became to me anyway. Well, the relationship and, command. Yeah. Like when that, I didn't think it's their, it's not my favorite thing they did, but yeah. it certainly was the biggest. Oh, like, by far. Yeah. Like, well, that, that thing sold over a million copies. Yeah, like this, at a time that, when like, people weren't really selling million copies as often. Yeah, like to that, that one arm scissor record. I remember hearing like at, at like hockey games. Yeah, like NHL games. Like it just bizarre. Anyway, um, 
but yeah, the Grand Royal Connections in hindsight is such a like a strange one because you know there was a lot of stuff on Grand Royal, but this is one of those groups I think that were like a bit outside of the expectation. Oh yeah, like, like if anything, I, what I'm trying to say is I think Grand Royal deserves a lot of credit for <laughs> putting this I, record out and being ahead of the curve on this, like big time. I think I don't know. There was like a bit of a like in Casino Out was when it all started to change. I think. That's when you're, you're correct there. That's I remember hearing about this group from that record for sure. Yeah, like I think there was already a lot of hype about them going in. Like I think I don't remember the exact story, but I think there was like an uh, like a a bit of a bidding war to get them. If, that if would, that's the case, then then I, like you know maybe I'm you know obviously not citing history correctly. But what what I'm trying to acknowledge here is it's bizarre that given even that scenario, which you propose. That of all the labels, it ended up being Grand Royal. Well, which of and, course, is now defunct. But well, I um, heard it. Well, like the story I've always heard is that, like the success of that record is what killed Grand Royal. <laughs> yes, the classic, the classic uh, tale. <laughs> their, their Nirvana in Utero or whatever, or was it Bleach that did Sub Pop originally? Uh, it was Bleach that nearly killed Sub Pop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it happens, but like, let's, let's do a deep dive on that grand Royal. We've never done that. We have, but it's, it's, we did. Yeah. We have like an earlier one way, you know, a while ago. It's, it's right for, right for being done again. I have have no recollection of doing the deep dive on this thing. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of it's just BC boys for the first page or so. You're kind of just going through different BC boys singles. Yeah. But then eventually you get like some lustrous Jackson and DFL and. You know stuff like that. That you know the, they actually didn't have a ton of groups on the first releases. It's like four or five, and again, mo- predominantly Beasties for sure. But then you know, Noise Addict, Hurricane, well, they do Soul Moist stuff. Boys, the Ween Side Project, the Heavy Metal Ween Side Project. Yeah, um, and then they also put out the uh, noise. Yeah, the Noise Addict record, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Hurricane. They actually did the Ween record too for Chocolate and Cheese or just the vinyl, I guess. Yeah. The weird thing is, I didn't know Hurricane and DFL had a split record. Wow. Really? It's actually okay. So it's not. I thought it was a well. It might be collaborative, but it's sort of like the A sides all Hurricane, B sides all DFL. It was like a but promo uh, release or something, or I guess because it's got like My Crazy Life on it and whatever. The craziest part about this is that split exists, and it's a split label release, and it's Ouija and Grand Royal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, if that's not strange, that coupling of labels isn't strange, but the fact that it's Hurricane and DFL and Ouija's involved seems peculiar in hindsight. Yeah, it's definitely weird. But 94 was a different year. Yep. 94 was definitely a bizarre time. Uh, like, it's weird to think that, like, Raul... And also, like, Tigra was on Ouija, too. I forget that when it first came out. Yeah, Ouija is a great label. It's just it's strange. Like, DF, DFL has a Ouija catalog number. Yeah, Biz, I guess, I is think, the band that exists on both labels, right? Uh, I would think so, yeah. Like, I don't I don't remember, like, the – I remember the band, but I don't know a lot about the releases. Oh, and they also put out another Hurricane record. So they must have been doing it for the Hurricane side. They're like, oh, God. It's like so many splits where, like, let's be honest, they're really one-sided splits. <laughs> but either way, we were getting onto this via the at-the-drive-in getting on thing eventually. So 
it looks like they start to kind of branch out and well not really i guess it's no it's predominantly lustrous jackson beasties and that is yeah. ben lee a lot of ben lee stuff and noise attic stuff and yeah for a while is that and then hurricane of course uh but yeah like i don't really they never a turkey <laughs> riot shows up eventually yeah well they did they did a whole DHR thing for a minute if you look like in 96 or whatever they have like three or four of those records yeah yeah. and then they eventually started doing Brand Van 3000 and uh, at the drive-in which is that came out the same year really yeah wow that is crazy the last thing they put out well Beastie Boys I guess stuff it was the last thing they put out but I wonder what the last non Beastie Boys (laughs) <laughs> this 2000 unofficial LP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, that's crazy. 2001, 2002. You wanted that to be a lot more like prolific. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it was like a, a bit of a whimper that that end. Yeah. No, it's it's. Oh, weird. There's like uh, there is an original of it, but like. There's also a bootleg from 2000. I don't know. I don't understand this. I'm not enough of a BS 2000 fan to, <laughs> no, to ever really seek that out. <laughs> Either way. Brand Man, yeah. though, pretty sick. Brand Man's got some songs. Nah, I don't know. I haven't heard it in very long, long, long time, but I don't remember being terribly moved at the time. How does Brand Van have a song with Curtis Mayfield? <laughs> I think it's not – it's one of those – I think they just sampled them. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he was already time, passed. Actually. Well, maybe not. Maybe they had recorded it because he didn't pass away till 99. See, it just says featuring, but it doesn't uh, – I don't know. Maybe they did, but there was a lot of that going on. I remember this single, but just that whenever someone used the sample, I think some of the uh, whatever, like clearing the rights ended up being like, well, you have to give them a credit on the – actual song sort of scenario. Not him, but whomever. Well, either way, hats off to them for having the money to get that cleared as far as the sample goes or for getting to perform with the legend himself. (laughs) Yeah, totally. All right. What do we got now? Uh, I think it's, uh, I think uh, we're going to do the at the drive-in. Oh yeah. uh, yeah, Sorry. The actual discogs for them. Yep. We're into, and just some of those cool little weird obscure labels. Flip side, you know, of course the yep. zine, but what a bizarre label. That story was cool though when he was talking Very about cool. that, them performing or whatever. How they, they had a lot of really oh, while we're on this topic because I think it was one of the funniest and like uh, another great anecdote was him that whole thing about them faking being the band. That was awesome. That's a great move. That's I've a never cool ass move. Before. And you could pull that off. Like, you know, you could still pull that off, I think. Yeah, probably. You know, but that's a really, really, really clever. I've never, ever heard of anything like that. So I was I was very impressed to hear that. Yeah, hats off for that move. That was definitely very inspiring. I think also <laughs> um, just the stories of them, them touring, like how the fuck did a band – before they had a seven inch too, because he's talking about going and meeting uh, the drummer from Green Day to record them. You know, yeah. 
they were touring the West Coast in the United States. Like, what a band, man. They toured Canada. They toured Canada with Feist. <laughs> well, with placebo, but yes. No, Feist is in that band. I know, but you know what I'm saying. The, the way you're phrasing it sounds different than it is, but yes. But also, like, yeah, no, definitely it sounds a little bit different because it's not Feist. But at the same time, like, there's been a bunch of media stuff that Feist has been doing around uh, that tour recently, I heard. I haven't read this anywhere. Someone told me that she's done some interviews about it. And it's in the press and stuff. Crazy. But yeah. what, what they're asking her about at the drive-in? Or they're like, I don't understand what you mean. Yeah, they're asking, I uh, know, asking her about Foss. Oh, because it was, that's right. It wasn't at the drive-in. Sorry, it was Foss. That's yeah, right. with Beto um, O'Rourke. Gotcha, based on the, uh, I see, because it's in the news via the. Because the election thing. in the States. Like, this is the guy ah, that holds shit. the fate of America in his hands <laughs> because he's going to, if he beats Ted Cruz, like I think the sky's the limit for him in, in that party they're saying. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, fingers crossed, you know, get out and rock that vote. If you're in Texas right now and you're listening to the show and you don't have any, any reason not to vote, you should, you get out there and vote for them. You know, it's like a turn out of punk kind of like that would be, you know, like another punk in office. There haven't been that many. There's been a few, but that would be another one in office. Well, that'll just, again, if that happens, that'll just uh, solidify your, your theme on this show. Could, okay. I want everyone just to fantasize for a second. Beto <laughs> O'Rourke wins the Senate seat. Then he runs and wins the presidency. What bands is he going to get to play his inauguration? Fugazi, obviously. Obviously Fugazi. And I think Fugazi does it. Like, I think that's the only way they do a reunion. That would be an interesting scenario. I, I wonder if they do it. It's in D.C. It would be in D.C. Oh, yeah, that's why I'm thinking it would be that. But, yeah, I don't know. What if he's like, all right, you know, first move, obviously, everyone knows me. I want my favorite punk band of all time to play the Meat Men. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> that. Oh, I would be really psyched on that, to be fair. But yeah. We're going to do uh, tooling for anus. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, amazing. Didn't that get covered recently? Uh, yeah, well, at, at the Dinosaur Jr. show. Yeah, you were saying, but what city? Or I guess they, when they played Michigan? When they played Detroit. Or Detroit, pardon me, specifically. Yeah. They, you know, like, that's why being in Dinosaur Jr. would be awesome. Because you can go, show up in a city and be like, hey, awesome singer of band. Do you want to come up and do your band song with us? And they're probably going to be like, yeah, fuck it. So they played Detroit. They had John Brandon singing with them. And they had Tesco V singing with them. Yeah, very cool. But once again, uh, I, don't, I don't think Beto is going to get. <laughs> he meant no. to do it. To be fair, though, Tesco did live in D.C. for a minute, so maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he's like, I'm a deep down D.C. fan right the way through. That's why Iron Cross is playing my inauguration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. No, I, could, I don't know. I don't know who it would be. I wonder. It would. I don't think it would be pretty insane to see something like that happen, but I just feel like it would be, I don't know, uh, it wouldn't be a group like that if if something like that were to happen. 
Yeah, it probably wouldn't be. A, uh, it might be a group like that. I think because he, he still likes that shit. He still ri- rides hard for that. It's not like he's sold out and he's like now like I no, don't that I, stuff. I just mean the idea that you know once you are playing at that level, I, I don't think I don't know how much you can entertain the idea of. I don't know. I could be wrong. It, you know that would be insane. What do you think they'd make him have Kid Rock, <laughs> dude? No, sorry, I mean that, this I, I is America, and you're going to have goddamn Kid Rock play. <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. It'd be like I don't know, just not that. You know, what I mean? it, it, I, like I mean, it would be cool to see that happen, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't ever expect to. It's like, all right, I got Dave Smalley back with Dag Nasty. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not saying any of these are ideal scenarios, but I'm just saying these are scenarios that might play out. I hope you got yeah. – uh, sorry, go on. No, no, go. I had nothing to go. I, I hope – my hope would be that he like hit up, uh, you know, United Mutation. <laughs> that was – yes, that would be amazing. I think it would also be amazing for him to be like, it's the nation of Ulysses. <laughs> Yo, that would be nuts. <laughs> That would be if that were to ever happen. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't even know. Like after this election cycle, I think in America, you know, people, you know, I'm not. We're not American here, so we're just saying this as fans of America. Uh, all bets are off. So why not have President Punk? The, you have a good point. I, I know what you're saying. I, I, I certainly like the idea. I just. Uh, I feel like I don't even want to get my hopes up for that <laughs> because I just feel like it's just, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen, it's going to be even feel more bleak or something. No, it definitely will feel more bleak. We don't want to get too excited for it. President yeah. Punk. Yeah. Like he has like, he's like, I would like to announce, like he makes his press secretary Jello Biafra. <laughs> yeah. It would be who is in the cabinet. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, he'd probably like he'd, he'd 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 want like the smarter, and so he'd have Greg Graffin. Um, <laughs> he'd be the okay, yeah. Surgeon General, or no, what? He's not a medical doctor. Milo would be like Greg Graffin, and Milo would be in the cabinet. Just Milo would way. be in the cabinet too. Milo would be like the Science Minister. Yeah, there, that shows my lim- my limited understanding of American politics right there. Um, <laughs> who else would be their President Punk? Uh, Ian McKay. Yeah, I mean, yes, but I, I don't think these people. I don't think he would uh, accept that. Well, I really don't think he's going to make Jell Biafra's press secretary either, Chris. But I think we're just having fun here for our, like all punk White House that we're putting together. Well, so, that's, yeah, then you would do that. Then who would be like, his VP? Uh, VP. Ooh. Um, Tim Kerr. <laughs> Smile. That'd be a good one. Smile. Too, yeah. It would be awesome. Tim Kerr's like VP, Vice President Tim Kerr. Actually, you know, he'd finally his move as president. He's like, my first act as president is I would like to bring the surviving members of the big boys and the surviving members or and all the members of the bad brains back together. <laughs> and have a summit in Texas and finally put this whole ugly incident to some sort of closure. You know, like maybe that would be – there's a lot of great things President Punk's going to be able to do. I like all these ideas. I hope all of them happen. He's like, I will make Ian McKay sing while standing up, not holding a guitar with a microphone in his hand one more time. 
by executive <laughs> order. Because you can do anything with those executive orders, right? So, like, why not just, like, write executive orders to, like, all right, the Melnick brothers and Dwid will get back together and they will play Humanity's <laughs> the Devil for me by executive order. I'm pretty sure these are your executive order ideas. I'm not sure if they're – although I, I think there are a lot of people. So they could be his but, too. Like, we don't know. No, he seems like he'd be more like, you know, uh, you know, more like we'll get – I would like to see the original lineup of Evergreen get back together and perform for me by executive order or Honeywell. Yeah. Honeywell would play again. <laughs> yes. President Punk. Right I, I'm really <laughs> excited for this. You're on to something there. You got it. The future looks great again. <laughs> and then we'll have Prime Minister Chris Hanna. Wow. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I uh, I don't know. I don't like. Is he even? No, he would he not. Do that? No. <laughs> okay, that's no. just your fantasy. Uh, I yeah, like, something I, I would. It would be. It would be interesting. I like. You know. Once again, prefer him over who we got. That's for sure. Oh, of course. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we head off into the night? Uh, let me see here. I just want to look over the list one more quick time to see if anything. Peaks my, uh, I think I really, I got to all the stuff that really jumped out at me. But yeah, there was, I just overall thought the interview was very good. I hope everyone else enjoyed it to the level I did. And uh, certainly made me have a greater appreciation for uh, this gentleman's music and his journey. So no, nothing else to touch on. Yes, that has been a uh, a very, uh, yeah, it's been it. Thank you for everyone for listening. Go out there and uh, make your own culture. Start, uh, start a band, start a fanzine. Uh, and that's it. We'll see you next week. Uh, next week on the show, my friend Matt Murphy. From you and me, Chris, this is a big one from Super Friends. Nice. One of the one of the great bands from Halifax ever. Also, some great punk stories in it. Some cool. It's a fun one. Uh, and, yeah, we will be back next week. Same place approximately same time that's it <laughs> <laughs>